Church, Charlotte. Praise God, praise God. How are you guys doing today? Has God been good to you this last week? Amen. It was Thanksgiving this last week. I mean, I think somebody can give me something better than that. Has God been good to you this last week? Do you have something to be thankful for this week? See, I'm thankful today for the Holy Ghost in my life. Yeah. God's been good to me. I know he's been good to you. Praise God. Praise God. I like what I feel in the house of the Lord. Amen. God's good. God's good. Most of you guys know that I am not the lead pastor. I know that breaks some of your hearts, but I am not the lead pastor. Pastor Nathan is on vacation, visiting family for the holidays. And I want to take a moment to give honor to Pastor Nathan. He is a man of God. And I do not know where I would be if it was not for his leadership in my life. If it wasn't for his direction and his prayers, I'm not sure that I would be the man that I am today. And so I give honor to my pastor. I love my pastor. It is an honor to be in his pulpit. I give honor unto the bishop, Bishop Elms. I believe he is with Pastor Nathan. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him in my life. Amen. And I'm thankful for both of them and the work that they've done in the city of Charlotte. Are you thankful for that? Let's give them a hand. I thank you, Jesus, for my pastor. I thank you, Jesus, for his father. I thank you for the work that they're doing. Amen. And I don't know if you guys saw that pretty lady that was up here, but that's my wife. And everybody knows that I'm her better half, but she makes me look good. <laughs> I love my wife. She is my love. I am hers and she is mine. She has made my life better. She has enriched me in all the ways that I need to be enriched. And I give thanks today for her. I got thanks. Give us a hand for the musicians today, man. Didn't they do a good job? And I love it when we can usher in the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise God. So thankful today. I'm so thankful. I got so much to be thankful for. This church has so much that we have to be thankful for. Amen. I'm so thankful to be a part of First Church. <laughs> We've been here for 15 years now, and I am thankful for you. I'm thankful that I can come into church and I can come into a place and see that it's a reconciled church. What's that mean? That means if you look to your left, if you look over to your right, man, you might see some people that don't look like you. You might see some people that look a little different, that maybe act a little bit different, but in this house, we know how to come together and have church. We, we solve some problems in this church. We're not afraid of a different culture in this church. We've got 30 different nationalities that come to this church. And when we come into this house, everybody says, praise be to God. Glory be to the Lord of glory. I'm here to praise Jesus. for that today. Are you thankful for that? 
I'm thankful we got a church that it doesn't matter what kind of politics you have. We got people in this place, man. Some of them are Democrats, some of them are Libertarians, some of them are Republicans, and it doesn't matter in this place because we're going to leave all of our politics out there because when we come in here, we're going to vote for Jesus. I'm here to see Jesus. I don't care who you vote for out there. I just care when you come into this house, there's only one getting lifted up, and that's Jesus. I am thankful today for a reconciled church. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what the Bible says we need to be, a reconciled church. That means that we take two opposing sides and we find a way to make them compatible. That's what reconciliation is. It's how we take different relationships that might be broken and we say, you know what? I'm going to lay something down so we can have fellowship together. I know this happened in the past, but let's just lay that down. We're going to be reconciled one to another. That's a reconciled church. And I'm thankful today that I go to a reconciled church. Amen. That's the kind of church that we need to be. That's the kind of church First Church strives to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 15 tells us, Excuse me. I'm, I got myself all worked up. I get worked up. I start needing water. I don't know how preachers do it all the time. First Corinthians 5, 15 says, And he that died for all, that they should live, not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Amen. I want to be reconciled to God today. How many of you guys want to be reconciled to God? Lord, I thank you today for your mercy and for your grace. I thank you for this opportunity to stand in this pulpit. I thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to be a voice piece, a, a, a tool in your hand. Anoint this place and let your spirit flow. Anoint this place. Let your anointing flow through the audience, Lord, and let our hearts be tilled up and ready to receive the word of God today. We ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A reconciled church. That's what we need to be today. Amen. See, Adam and Eve sinned and created this great divide between us and God. They created this gap between the creator and the creation. And they could no longer bridge that gap because of the sin that they had committed. 
our ability to fellowship with God was hindered because of the gap that was created when Adam and Eve sinned. But thankfully, God is not content with having that gap because God created us so that he would have fellowship with us. And so he begins to work. Immediately, he begins to work. And he begins to work out this plan of reconciliation to reconcile himself back to the creation. And God's plan to reconcile a fallen world back to himself. His plan to restore his relationship with us. His plan to bridge the gap between us and him is in Jesus. Jesus is the plan that God set forth to reconcile us back to him. You see, only a man with no sin could be an acceptable sacrifice for man's sin, a cover for man's sin. Only a man with no sin could satisfy the judgment of God. Only a man with no sin willing to offer himself for all of mankind. But yet there was no man to be found. We, he could find none. There was no man that could be the acceptable sacrifice. There was no man that could bridge the gap between fallen man and a righteous God. And so God said, all right, I can fix that. I'm going to take myself and I'm going to wrap myself in flesh and I'm going to go down there and dwell among them. And the Bible says we beheld him as the only begotten of the father and we know his name today. Somebody tell me what is his name? Jesus. That's right. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. He is the representation of God here today. He was not just a man. He was more than a man. He was a God man. He was both divine and he also had flesh like you and I. He was tempted in all points like as of to we are, but yet he knew no sin. He was a sinless man. Are you thankful for Jesus today? I'm thankful that God said it's not enough that there's this gap. I've got to do something and they can't do it so I'm going to do it. And he sent Jesus to be our redeemer. He's our advocate. He is our lamb for sinners slain and by him we are reconciled to God. Amen. We read that Jesus reconciled us to God. Then he gives us a ministry of reconciliation. What that tells me is that Jesus reconciles us to God and then stands as the example that we all ought to follow. He had a ministry of reconciliation, and through that, he gives us a ministry of reconciliation. He is the example that we ought to follow, which brings me to a very important question today that I want to pose to you. And for the next little bit, I want to try and challenge every one of you to actually step up to, to encourage you to step up to this plate. And that question is the title of my sermon today, and it's simply this. Are you a bridge builder? Are 
you a bridge builder. You see, bridges connect two opposing sides. That is a, a gap between them. There is some kind of divide. There's a valley. There's a body of water. And bridges connect the two sides. Jesus, in reconciling us to God, bridges the gap between a holy God and an unholy creation. Are you a bridge builder today? One of the first steps to building a bridge is to set up safe zones to work. They put up fencing. They put up signage. You can't get in there unless you're authorized to be in there. You have to wear personal protective equipment, a hard hat, gloves, safety glasses, work boots, a high-vis vest or shirt. You have to have certain things to be in there to make it a safe place for you to do work. Every place that builds a bridge does that. When they're building over large places of water, they build these giant walls and they'll, they'll connect the walls together and they, they lay it down into the water and they begin to pump the water out and from where that wall has created a pocket. And they pump all of the water out to create a safe place so that people can go down there with water all around them and start to build up the pillars that'll hold the bridge up over the water. They create safe places. And once they build up those bridges, once they build up those pillars, they then will extend the bridge from one side to the pillar. And then if they can go from that pillar to the other side, then they will. But if not, they'll build another pillar up and go from a pillar to a pillar and, and repeat that until they can get the bridge connected to the other side. So I'm thankful that Jesus knew how to build a bridge. You see, Jesus reconciled us back to God and bridged that gap. He created safe places. Everybody that came to him was in a safe place. He doesn't let their sickness deter him. You can be sick and come to Jesus. It was all right. Even when you have an issue of blood and you're not supposed to be close to anybody, he's like, it's okay. You can come on. There's nothing that can keep you from him. He's all right with it. Sickness doesn't deter him. Sin does not exclude people from receiving a blessing from Jesus. That's important for us all to remember because it's really difficult sometimes when we love God and we love the word of God. It's difficult for us to reconcile that with loving people, right? But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't judge anybody, in his whole earthly ministry, I can find nowhere where Jesus judges somebody. The closest place you come to Jesus judging anyone is when he throws the people that were selling all the stuff in the temple out. They're selling the doves. They're selling all the different, and they're, they're ripping everybody off. They're in the court of the Gentiles, so the Gentiles can't go in and actually have anything, service or be fellowship, and he throws them out. That's the closest you get to Jesus judging in the entire Bible. You can find nowhere where he judges anybody. Why is it that you can find nowhere where Jesus actually judges anybody? Right? Here's why. Jesus is not the personification of God's judgment. He's the personification of God's mercy. He's not here to judge. He's here to show mercy. 
He's not here to tell everybody that they need to shape up and then cast a judgment because the judgment isn't good anyway. If he casts judgment, the judgment's death. They've broken the law. He's not here to cast judgment. He's here for mercy. And so when he comes, he personifies God's mercy, not God's judgment. So it is with us. How is it that he can be the personification of God's mercy and then we have this way about ourselves where we seem to think that the way to progress, the way to be like Jesus is to show judgment and not mercy. I don't want to show judgment. I need to show mercy. I'm not here to be a personification of God's judgment. I am not qualified to judge anybody, but I am very qualified to show people mercy. Why? Because Jesus showed me mercy. Jesus shows me how mercy's done. He doesn't show me how judgment's done. When he came, he said, I am merciful. It didn't matter to him if there was sin. The woman at the well, he says, come of me, I'll give you water. I'll give you living water. And she's like, if you know who you're talking to, you, you wouldn't be talking to me. He says, why? I know who I'm talking to. I'm here to give you water. I'm here to give you living water. He goes, and in fact, how about this? Go get your husband. She goes, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. You don't. You're shacking up. <laughs> he, what does that mean? It sounds bad sometimes when you read it, but what does that mean? What's Jesus telling her? He says, I know what you're doing. I don't care. I'm here to give you living water anyway. I didn't come here to give you living water because I thought you were good. I didn't come for those that are righteous. I came for those that are lost. I came for those that are broken. I'm not here for the ones that don't need mercy. I'm only here for those that want mercy. I know what you're doing. That doesn't mean anything to me today. Tomorrow it might, but not today. Today it's about mercy. Go get your husband. Oh, come, come. See a man that told me everything I ever did. Doesn't matter to Jesus. He walks down the street. He looks up and sees Zacchaeus in a tree. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I know you're a thief and a liar. I know you've been stealing from everybody. But when I come to your house, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to stand up and say, I'm going to give it all back and more. He's all about mercy. We need to be people of mercy. We need to personify that. So I ask you again, are you a bridge builder? Are you a bridge builder? I'm looking for a bridge builder. Your neighbor's looking for a bridge builder. The people that you work with are looking for a bridge builder. They're broken. They're hurting. They need someone that's a safe place. I need a safe place I can run to. The, the Bible says that the Lord is a strong tower. He's a safe place. And if I'm going to be like Jesus, I need to be a safe place. You can come to my house. It's all right. I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing, but if you need a safe place, you can come to my place. I want to be a safe place. God, help us to be a safe place. Our spouses, our sons, and our daughters are looking for a bridge builder. Can you be a safe place for your spouse? Can you be a safe place for your children as they grow up and as they learn? 
Sorry. Can you be a safe place? Can you show mercy when you're 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 kind of disappointed? <laughs> Can you show mercy? Can you be a safe place to these people? They're all crying out looking for someone who can be a bridge. They are looking for a bridge builder and you are the person that has the spirit of God in you that is supposed to have a ministry of reconciliation given to you by God and they're looking. Are you a bridge builder? Are you a bridge builder? I need a bridge builder. I need somebody to help me to get from where I am to where I need to be. Are you the bridge builder? Can I come to you and you build me a bridge? Are you a safe place? We've got to create safe places for people to be able to grow in their faith. Not everybody that comes to God's going to be on the level that we are. We aren't on. I'm not who I was when I first walked in the doors of this church. Most of you guys were here when I first walked in. I walked in 15 years ago. I'm not the same person that I was back then. I've had to grow in my faith. I had to learn some things. I had to let God work on me. I had to change, and it took time. Not everyone's going to be there. We have to give them a safe place to grow, a safe place to grow in their faith, a judgment-free zone, a place of mercy. And if we can't do that, we'll kill everybody that we try and help. Everybody we try and send forth, everybody we go out to to try and minister to, we'll kill them because we can't create safe places. If you go into a place when you're building a bridge, if you go into the coffer dam, that's what the walls are that they put in the water. If you go into that and it's not a safe place, there's cracks in the wall, the water will come in and you'll drown. And everybody you put in there will drown. We have to have safe places for people to grow and to work. Inside of these safe places, Jesus created, he consistently built people up. He was always trying to encourage somebody. Even when the woman caught in adultery sent to him and he says, I'm, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm a safe place. I didn't come to judge. I came to show mercy. He tells her after that, he goes, go and sin no more. What does that mean? That is Jesus saying, I know that you're a good person. I know you can do better. Go do better. It's okay. I believe in you. I believe in your ability to, to be better than what you've been. He's always lifting them up. He's always trying to encourage them and tell them, I believe in you. I know you don't believe in yourself, but I believe in you. I believe that you have what it takes to be a man and a woman of God. I believe that you have what it takes to be a bridge builder. I believe you have what it takes. Help me to lift you up. I want to lift you up. I want to keep you encouraged because I don't want you to think that there's no hope for you. There's hope for you. Jesus is always building people up. Not only that, he is consistent in his personal commitments to righteousness. Listen, you got caught in adultery. I didn't get caught in adultery. I'm not going to get caught in adultery. But that doesn't mean that I'm not here for you. He's consistent. He won't do wrong. He won't condone your wrong, but he won't judge your wrong. He's merciful, but he's consistent in his ability to say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> the Bible says, tempt not the Lord your God, right? He's tempted. He's like, nah, we're not going to do that. 
<laughs> he's consistently trying to maintain his own righteousness without judging others. It's an amazing thing that he's able to do, how he can maintain, but yet not judge others. But that consistency builds his credibility. I can be who I am, and you can be who you are, and we can have fellowship together. I'm not going to the bar. I'm not. If you go to the bar, God bless you. Go to the bar. When, you, when you're done, come over to the house. Just don't bring that with you. <laughs> I, I can be who I am and create a safe place for you. That's what Jesus is trying to tell him. I'm not who you are, and that's okay. We can still have fellowship. He's always lifting them up. Why? Because the Bible says that the strong uphold the weak. If you're strong today, you need to be looking for weak people that you can uphold. As part of being a bridge, I'm going to be a bridge for you. I can hold you up. I know you're weak. I know you're struggling with your faith. I can be your bridge. Are you a bridge builder? Are you a bridge builder? Praise God. There's people in our lives that are weak and they need us to remind them that they can be strong. They need us to lift them up. They need us to tell them that we believe in them. They don't need us to kick them while they're down. They need us to pick them up. I'm, I'm, here, I'm not here to kick you while you're down. I want to pick you up. I want to pick you up. I'm not here to point out all your sins. I want to cover those. That's what Jesus does. I want to cover that. Let me cover that up. Right? We need to be able to do that. Jesus also is relentless in his pursuit of people that are weaker. He's relentless in his pursuit of people that need encouragement. He's relentless in his pursuit of those that are sick. He does not stop. He doesn't even have a place to lay his head, the Bible says. Why? Because I'm on a mission. And I've got to find people. I'm searching for the one lost sheep. There's 99 good ones over there, but I'm searching for the one that's lost. And he's relentless in it. Would to God we could be relentless in our pursuit of people that we can be a bridge to. I want to be a bridge. Who needs a bridge? I'm looking for someone who's looking for a bridge. Or I want to be a bridge. Are you a bridge builder? Yes, I am. Come, let me help you. Let me build a bridge for you. Think about it. Think about it. Think about the lame man in Mark chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. Think about him and his friends that are carrying him to Jesus. They're relentless. They're carrying this man, four of them at a time, carrying this man to go see Jesus. He's holed up in this house, and there's so many people around that they can't get to him. It would have been easy to turn around and say, well, we just can't get there today. Maybe the next time we'll get there. Well, I just can't. We just, I don't know how we're going to get into this place, so maybe next time we'll, we'll move ourselves into this place, and maybe we'll hear early enough we can get here on time and not be late. They could have left them. They could have turned around and went home, but they didn't. They said, man, I can't leave without getting you to Jesus. I can't leave without building you a bridge to get to Jesus. How are we going to do that? Well, I think I can rip that roof off. 
<laughs> I, think, I think that roof looks fragile enough, man, but it's sturdy enough to hold us. If we can just get up there, we can rip the roof off and we can lower them right down to where Jesus is at. But I don't know. But we, That's not even our house, but I don't care. I'll pay the damages. I just got to get this person to Jesus. I've got to be a bridge that says, it doesn't matter what I've got to do. I'll pay anything. I'll do anything. I just got to get this person to Jesus. And so they climb up on the top of the house and they start to rip the roof off of it. And they're ripping all the shingles off and they lower him down to where Jesus is at. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says in verse chapter five that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. He didn't see the man who was lame's faith. He saw their faith. And then he looked at the man and he said, thy sins be forgiven you. Y'all know that, that Facebook thing. You got to be careful with people on Facebook. Them Facebook preachers like me, you got to be careful with them because they tell you all kinds of crazy stuff ain't true. There's that Facebook thing out there that says that you should be mindful of who your friends are because your friends, they got people that are friends that can get you to Jesus and get you healed of your sicknesses. Because the lame man, they use the story of the lame man. But that's not what happened. That's not true. God, Jesus didn't heal that lame man because of their faith in getting him to Jesus. Jesus washed his sins away. You think about the difference in that. I want you, if, you're, if you need a healing, I want you to be healed. I do. But apparently, these people had something deeper in mind. Apparently, their faith wasn't just to get this man healed. In fact, they probably could care less if the man ever walked again. What they wanted was for Jesus to cleanse him. They wanted him to get a spiritual healing. To them, it was more important that he was saved than that he was healed in his body. They were the people that said, I've got to get you to Jesus, not so you can be healed in your body. If that happens, happens great, but you need Jesus to wash your sins away. I can't do that for you. Everybody I try and bring a bridge to, I can't pull them out of sin. I can't forgive them of sins. I'm not the one who has the power to wash their sins away. All I can do is get them to where Jesus is. That's the only place I can go to. Go to where Jesus is and let him wash their sins away. They don't need that from me. I can't do it for you. But I tell you what I can do. I can get you to where Jesus is. I can build a bridge so you can get to where Jesus is. Not every road leads to heaven. It's the truth. Not every road will lead to heaven. But I can build you a road to where Jesus is. And Jesus can take you to heaven. Jesus can knows the path. I don't. He does. I'm following him. My God, you might as well follow me and him. I don't know how to get there, but he does. Are you a bridge builder? Are you a bridge builder? Jesus created those safe places. He built people up. He encouraged them to pursue a better way, but the bridge still wasn't complete. Excuse me. The pieces were in place, but the walkway across the pillar still had to be laid. Something still had to connect the pillars, the side to the pillar, and from the pillar to the other side. Bridge builders don't just use anything. When you go and watch people building bridges, they don't, they don't use grass. And just don't you put anything down, try and act like that's going to hold the weight of something. It's got to be strong. It's got to be reinforced. It's got to hold up for the travel, for the weight of people getting across. So what's Jesus do? Jesus says, what's the strongest thing I know? What's the strongest thing I know? 
love. Love's the strongest thing I know. Love never fails. And I love these people. See, we perceive his love because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to die for these people. I'm going to lay my life down for these people. I have to lay it down. And I'm going to use love to build this bridge. I created a safe place for them. I built them up. I let them know that they can make it. And then I laid myself down and said, just walk on me. Just walk on me. I'll be a bridge for you. Just walk on me. Walk on my love. Use me. Use me. Just get to the other side. Just get to the other side. His love for us built the path that finished the bridge. It's his love for us that built the bridge. Musicians, you guys can come. I'm going to try and see if I can't wrap this up. Praise God. Are you a bridge builder? So, forgive me. I'm going to try and see if I can't get through this story. Because it's kind of emotional. Okay. But a handful of years ago, a good number of years ago, see, in every, in every church, in every organization, worldwide, there's always people in the churches and, you know, not everybody's as conservative as another person. Sometimes they're a little more liberal, even though they're still on a conservative spectrum, you know. And there's always kind of this tension that happens in churches. A tension that kind of, some people aren't quite so sure that they agree with this. It's not necessarily about sin, right? It's, it, it's not about sin. It's, it's personal preference, right? Sometimes it's just a personal preference. But there's a lot of people debate over it, right? A few years ago, there was a, a family that was struggling with some things in our church. And, you know, they came to me a number of times. I went to pastor and, and talked to pastor about it. Just, you know, if you come to me with anything, I'm going to pastor Nathan. I'm going to let him know that we talked. I mean, it's just so you know. But I really felt like I could help these people. I felt like I'd been in the pastoral meetings. I've been in the leadership meetings. And I understood the heart of Pastor Nathan. I understood the direction he was trying to go. I understood why he wasn't like making a big deal about this or about that. I understood. I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty conservative. Most of you guys here know that. Um, this family came to me. They were struggling. So I thought I could help them. I talked with them, talked to my wife. I said, I think we can help these people. I think we can be a bridge for these people. Because I get it. I, I'm kind of like, you know, I agree with them in a lot of ways, but I, I get it. I get what we're doing. I get where the heart is here. I get the heart of God and what pastor's trying to do. I think we can be a bridge for these people. So, so let's invite them over to the house, fellowship with them.
they came over and I felt real strong. It's just, you know what? Don't bring anything up. Just love on them. Just love on them. It's okay. Just love on them. So we did. Kids were gone. It was just me and my wife. Just them. Their kids were gone. Such a wonderful evening. It was such a wonderful evening. That was on a Saturday night. The next Sunday, we come into the church house. And the husband pulls me off to the side. He says, I want you to know that we're leaving today. It's our last time here. We're not coming back. So I just can't, I can't, I can't, I can't reconcile. And they left. And it broke me. I was broken. I wept for days. I wept. I believed so strongly I could be a bridge. And I couldn't. And I didn't understand. Why? Why can't I be a bridge to these people? I get it. Why can't I be a bridge? And I didn't understand. Wasn't really long later. I don't really know exactly how long, but it wasn't long at all. Something got said at my house that kind of like set an alarm off in my head, just kind of like a light bulb. And I stopped and I said, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Come to find out, in my own house, in my own house, I stood alone. I was on the other side. Everybody in my house was on the other side. In the same situation, same topic that I thought I could be a bridge with this other family. And I was the only one that believed with them. I was the only one on their side. Everybody in my family was on the other side. And I said, to this stuff. I swear they did. <laughs> Signs were there. I kind of ignorant to it. Best way I could put it. But everybody I loved was on the other side. And the divide seemed so big. I didn't know what to do. And I prayed to God. I said, God, what what am I supposed to do? And God says, I thought you said you could be a bridge. I thought you said you could be a bridge. Are you a bridge builder? They're looking for a bridge builder. Are you a bridge builder? See, I couldn't be a bridge to the family that was struggling because we were on the same side. You can't be a bridge to anybody that's on the same side. There's no reason for a bridge. Jesus didn't reconcile himself to God. There was no one to build a bridge on that side. He had to look across and say, the bridge needs to be between here and there. 
You can't be a bridge to people on the same side. You just, there's no way you can do it. But what you can be is a bridge to someone on the other side from you. A bridge to someone who believes a little bit differently than you. Who sees it a little differently than you do. Has a little bit different consecrations than you do. You can be a bridge to them. And when you can be a bridge to them, you become a testimony to everybody on your side. I'm a testimony to the people on my side. You see, I said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. You see, the devil had convinced everybody in my family that I loved an idea more than I loved them. He's a liar. I want to tell somebody today the devil's a liar. He's been lying for forever. There's no truth in him. He's been telling you God doesn't care for your whole life. That's a lie. God cares. He's been telling you God don't love you for his whole, your whole life. That's a lie. God loves you. He loves you. The devil's a liar. I had, I had proved that old devil wrong. But I said, Lord, I don't know how to be this. I don't know how to be this bridge. How do I be a bridge? And why? Why could it not be someone else? Why did it have to be those that were closest to me? Why? That's what God told me. He said, if you're going to be a bridge, you have to love those on the other side enough to die for. There's nobody else I love more on this earth. I had to know that the cost was going to be I had to love them enough to lay down my life. I got to lay it down. I got to lay it down. I got to lay down my preferences. I got to lay this all down. I got to I got to figure out a way to make this work. And I and, and I'm the one that can do this. I can do this. Cuz I want to be a bridge builder. Are you a bridge builder? Greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends. John 15 and 13. Jesus laid his life down. I'm not talking about when you want to lay your life down. I'm not talking about stepping in front of a bullet for somebody. No, that that's in a lot of ways, that's the easy path. That's the easy I'm laying my life down. What's hard is when there's something going on that you don't like. There's something going on that you, you just grates on your nerves. You just, I don't agree with that. But you've got to lay it down to say, well, I've got to have fellowship. I've got to reconcile this. That's hard. My wife told me, you to know I've been praying this isn't the end it's not the end all things are made new we're just restructuring we're just reorganizing something we're making something new here we're doing something new see a divided house can't stand but a divided house can get a bridge <laughs> if your house is divided you can be a bridge you can bridge it now it's not divided. Jesus was a bridge. Are you a bridge builder? Are you a bridge builder today? 
God's looking for bridge builders. Your family's looking for bridge builders. The people that you work with are looking for bridge builders. Are you a bridge builder? Can you be a bridge builder? Let's all stand. Jesus said, greater works will you do because I go to my father. Jesus has no trouble casting out demons. He's got no trouble healing the sick. He had no trouble raising the dead. But when he went to Gethsemane and in agony he prayed, the Bible said he sweat. His sweat was as it were great drops of blood. He did that all to get the strength to lay down his life and be a bridge for us. You see, being a bridge is the only thing that Jesus ever seemed to have any trouble with. It's the only thing he ever agonized over. But he endured for the joy, the Bible says, was on the other side. He endured for the joy that was set before him, the joy of reconciliation to God, the joy of the resurrection. You know how you're going to get strength to be a bridge? You know how you're going to get that strength to be able to lay down your life? You're going to have joy in the in the reconciliation. You're going to have to have joy and believe in the resurrection. There's a resurrection. If that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the grave dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body. Jesus wasn't a living sacrifice. He went to the cross one time. When he comes back, he's not going to the cross again. He only did it one time. He built this fabulous bridge that nobody else could build, but he only built one. But because he went to his father and now he sends back the Holy Ghost to dwell in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world because he came back and fills you with his spirit. The Bible says you're now a living sacrifice. You know what that means? That means you can lay yourself out over and over again. You can build as many bridges as you can possibly build. You can lift people up and then lay yourself down as a sacrifice so they can get to Jesus. And when it's over, you have faith to believe. I believe in the resurrection. So when I lay my life down, I know that I'm going to be raised up new. And then I can go out and I can say, who's next? Who needs a bridge builder? I'm a bridge builder. Are you a bridge builder? And you can lay yourself down again. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.